Please hold for Armchair Adventurer. That's not the kind of podcast we are. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. For one thing, the lives of one of the members of this podcast was recently changed in a rather gravitous moment. <laughs> uh, Dan, would you would you care to explain what what has changed in your life recently, or do you want me to say it? Very political, Kane. I can take it from here. Thank you. So, as most of you know, or as all of you avid listeners know, I was recently struck by the Rona, and uh, it caused me to perish from this earth. But, um, you know, yeah, yeah, rip, except really for the last couple weeks, I was navigating through the seven levels of hell. Uh Uh-huh. Um... It was pretty rough, but yeah. I made it out. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah. I've heard it's pretty bad down there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you Have you read some books Books about the, the Just adventure? one, really. Oh, yeah. Just There's only one I can think of, really. Oh, okay. I haven't really heard of any, but okay. I'll yeah. have to take a recommendation later. But no, to, to, to clarify, what really happened was I got engaged. Whoa! Yay, Dan! And also yeah. throw in the Wilhelm scream. Okay, yeah, happily. <laughs> Yikes! Um, we're gonna do something a little different. I got, I've got a little. Uh, You're gonna what? Scrap the segue. All of that. I mean, your segue was good, but oh. the segue that still needs to be made into the topic of today's episode, we're postponing it. I've got a little, not an icebreaker, but something to get us a little warmed up. Okay. I had an idea for a business, and I want to know Shark Tank style if you guys are in or out on it. Okay, my first question. Yeah. Does it involve <laughs> sandwiches and soups? Not at all. In then a, that's in a, a no stunning display dog. of defiance, I have not come up with another soup and sandwich business. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I don't know any other type of business, so. Um, you know Airbnb? I've heard of it. You familiar? Okay. What if instead of renting homes... There was a service where if you are downtown in a city and you need to use a restroom, people can offer up their restrooms for use. <laughs> for money? Of course. Oh, okay. It's the gig economy, baby. <laughs> That's like bottled water, you know, I, in comparison. Well, like, hey, people have to drink water. People have to use the bathroom. Yeah. Um, well, I've made some money in bottled water before, so it's kind of that's true. In my wheelhouse. You're, that bottled uh, water money is really what's funding our operation here. So you guys are out on that. I mean, no, I say let's do it. Any any way to scam the people. What do we call it though? Uh, bathroom bucks. <laughs> you have to buy credits and then use those credits to use someone's bathroom. So that way you mandatory pay ahead of time and not. You know, every time you need to use it. Air P and P. Air P and P. One hundred percent. You had that waiting. I knew it. I, this is this is gonna sound fake, but I swear to God, I thought of that. What the business? Air P and P. No, oh, Air P and P. I was, I was like, say, once Paul stops you, talking, if you try to take this business. <laughs> wow. Um, no, but uh, Simon and Garfunkel. 
Overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Properly rated. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say under, but uh, I'm not going to defend that well, point at all. <laughs> Are you talking for their time or our time? Mo- like right now? I think it's still worth listening to Simon and Garfunkel. It has its moments. I, yeah. I mean, I do too, but I'm not about to like go exploring through the deep tracks. You know? Some surface level. Yeah. Okay. Well, enough wasting everyone's time. Um, (laughs) That's why they're here. To discuss. Yeah. Uh, Who knows if that's even going to make it into the episode? (laughs) Uh, No, we got. uh, Fuck, I am a fucking mess. (laughs) Okay. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's do the. It occurs to me now that we didn't even need as much of an intro for this episode because we basically explained the entire thing uh, in the last episode. But in case you didn't listen, Paul and I, in a rare moment of uh, serendipity, perhaps more than that, God's will. (laughs) Destiny. We both read about what I'm going to be talking about in, in this episode, but there are two others. In general... We've got a theme here. These are things that are uh, gates to hell type uh, burning. Is that a fair generalization of what we're talking about today? Yeah, Yeah. kind of the eternal flame mentality. Yeah, not the lame one either at the uh, monument. We're talking real real shit. Definitely not. Like actual fire, actual Mm -hmm. burning. (laughs) None of that man-made garbage. No, no, no. Of course... I'm going to be starting out, and a lot of that is because, one, is the inspiration for the episode. Two, I feel like pictures of this crater, you see it once every, like, six months on the front page of Reddit. Something like that. We are talking about the Darvaza gas crater. Now, I want to ask Paul, how much did you read about it when you were... Um, very little. Yes, Just good. basically what it is, but no, nothing historical. <clears throat> Perfect. I knew exactly as little as you did i just knew it existed uh, from reddit believe it or not what do you boys know about turkmenistan anything at all just one of the stands no the one of the stands former soviet republic i guess mm-hmm. but just one of the stands there's a video i'm going to be talking about later uh, that i watched a little bit of and in this video, a gentleman from some a reputable source <laughs> whose name escapes me, he was talking about Turkmenistan, and he said that it is possibly one of the worst places in the world to live. It, is, it is pretty much an autocracy. It's, uh, it's like North Korea light over there, basically. <laughs> Diet North Korea. It is, um, aside from just the touchy political scene. 70% of the country is covered by the Karakum Desert. And um, only 6 million people live there. It's a pretty sparsely populated country. But like, okay, Paul, like you said, former Soviet Republic. Mm -hmm. In 1971, the Soviets, uh, perhaps taking inspiration from the growing uh, oil money in the Middle East around this time 
they decided to look for oil in their uh, more desertous lands. So they sent a surveying crew out to Turkmenistan, and they found this part of the desert that, for some geology, uh, you know, way above my head stuff, they thought that it would be a huge oil field with massive yield. So they started drilling, and very shortly after they started drilling, they realized they had cracked into a giant pocket of natural gas underground. Um, as it turns out, there is a lot of natural gas in Turkmenistan. It is the fourth largest producer of natural gas in the world, and the data I initially saw was in volume, which didn't really mean much to me. <laughs> so I did a little bit of math, did some conversions. It's This is still a little bit of a, you know, it's not an exact, but... This is interesting. So they you mean you're you're not a mineral engineer? Not anymore. Uh, my, uh, okay. my life that life. Oh, yeah. past life. <laughs> the board. Shorn, you're shunned from the community. <laughs> Turkmenistan in the year 2017 produced 2.86 quadrillion BTUs of natural gas, the British thermal unit. So. I still didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> so I looked up. Yeah, no bearing. <laughs> here's a, here's a, a, the reference I decided to go for. The average home furnace in the U.S. puts out about 80,000 BTUs of heat an hour, uh, you know, filling a home with heat. So from one year of natural gas production, you could, there's two ways we can look at this. It could power 35,750,000,000 furnaces for one hour. Or you could heat a home for 4.1 million years. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> That's a crazy number. Oh, man. Yeah, the first one, I mean, throw the first one out. That second one, that hit home, literally. Yeah, I mean, and, where are you going to find 35 billion furnaces? That's ludicrous. Right. But that's that's kind of the um, the force they're up against here. Now, right? so that's just Turkmenistan? Yes. That's and to me is fourth. crazy. That's the fourth, yeah. That's the <laughs> that's fourth. The fourth. I can only imagine what the first is like. Right. Did you get a it's list? It's got to be like Russia, right? Or Ukraine, maybe. I would. Th I thought Russia had a lot of natural gas. I think Russia does. I don't know if they're the first, but I mean, just look at that area. Yes. Yeah. Well, what stuck out to me is that your spot is across a little tiny sea from yeah. my spot, which is also, we'll get to it, but a natural gas-fed, eternal gate to hell that's yeah, just that, i guess that that part of the world man that caucus got region, a lot of man. methane yeah <laughs> they're just sitting on a bomb yeah basically <laughs> basically so this uh this pocket of gas they drilled into once that you know once they hit it gas starts venting so it starts losing pressure on the internal pressure go figure it collapses and that's the crater what it was what is there now is where the oil well was and it collapsed under the weight of the drill. If you, the good time, this is a good time. I got to, I got to mention a picture. So this is a good time to bring this up. Paul, our intern. Uh, has, hey. Has, uh, oh man. I'm just kidding. Paul. How degraded can one, I be? I almost said one third of the podcast. Sorry, Greg. 
Um, <laughs> you were just you're killing it with everybody, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, I have. We should have before we did this. I'm, I'm a train wreck. Um, well, how's that meal? Yeah, so now I, I'm coming off a huge <laughs> fast food meal. <laughs> I was already up working all day. You look Ooh, translucent, boy. man. Yeah, well, that was a procedure I had done. But, right, Paul has taken upon himself to create social media accounts, namely, oh, yes. chiefly Instagram. He has created, and if I'm not mistaken, the handle, why don't you, maybe it's best if you say the handle. <laughs> yes. Uh, just an Instagram account, um, more to follow, but the handle is armchair underscore adventurer underscore podcast. It's, it's a lot more letters than you'd expect, but it is straightforward. It's just the name. We got a if podcast. You start typing, the you'll find it. Yeah, you'll me. get there. Not a lot of armchairs on Instagram. No, not quite. And uh, that is being used to. A lot of the things, and I'm sure if you've listened, you know how much, frustratingly enough, how often we just talk about pictures. Yeah. So now we're actually going to start posting them on the Instagram account with the episode. So just uh, give that a follow, and it's nice, a little supplementary material. Uh, right, so if you, when you, if, when, when, not if you, when you go to the Instagram and follow it, you're going to see picture of this crater and there are humans there for scale and i feel like it's a lot bigger than i thought it was just from seeing pictures of just it it is 226 feet across and 100 feet deep wow. um and so after it collapsed i mean i guess they just said oh shoot you know and gave up but it's not the end of the pit unfortunately. wait collapsed yeah did you miss that was it was it it was like a, than it was before it was like no, a I just pocket meant the, the ground collapsed over the oh, pocket. Oh, got it. Okay. Formed that crater. I'm thinking after they already found it. Never mind. No. And uh, also, though, gotta say, just real quick, looking at this picture, you said it's a hundred feet deep. Yeah. The, the there are some like flames that you can kind of see along like the bottom edge where those people are standing, or like in that direction. Those have yeah. to be coming up real high if the crater itself is a hundred feet deep. And those are just wild whipping flames. Well, yeah, and it, well, I think the, I think the methane kind of gasses up out through like small rocks. So there's there's flames everywhere, just like God. starting. If you look into it, can you imagine? Like that's a decent fall, a hundred yeah. feet. Like not only like hey, I'm gonna fall and hit the ground in a hundred feet, but it's gonna light me on fire. And I'm <laughs> oh die. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be painful. It's like our selfie death from the Falls episode. Oh, yeah. Guy who fell into the active volcano. I'm sure they've had their own undocumented selfie deaths in Turkmenistan. Remember, it's the Soviet Union. (laughs) Their their numbers are going to be a little skewed. Yeah. (laughs) They just got cell phones, so. They're either number one in it, or no one has ever fallen into it. That's not true. (laughs) You know, just on the on the point of your numbers skewed, uh, I will talk about it a little bit later, but the 1971 date is kind of just, that is based off what one single geologist said, and uh, they've tried to figure out exactly when it did happen, and nobody knows, because the Turkmenistan, like, document, uh, for, like, their Department of Energy does not have any documents anywhere near this old. 
all of it was just kind of lost when the you know when the Soviets turned Clyde. them over. So nobody Classic really knows Russia. how long yeah. it's been going, but uh, they think you know no earlier than like the sixties. God, they couldn't hold on to anything in that transition, could they? <laughs> yeah, it didn't yeah. conveniently, right? Didn't go we, too smoothly in some of the. It's something that doesn't even really matter. <laughs> yeah. we have to hide this. <laughs> we lost paper. We lost computers. We lost intercontinental ballistic missiles. Uh, kept uh, what's the difference? <laughs> so, back to it, if we could, boys. It's playtime over. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, um, Dad. Evidently, methane gas is leaking out of the crater, and they don't, you know, they don't notice it immediately because, for one, methane is non-toxic, so, like, breathing it in, you don't really notice, but it does squeeze oxygen out of the air. You know, it replaces oxygen, sort of, or, like, you know, messes with the oxygen concentration in the air, so it can cause accidental asphyxiation, and uh, animals in the area started dying. It was, it is partially a nature reserve, so there are animals um and then on top of that just you know if air becomes even five percent methane it is enough to trigger explosions if there's a spark oh boy so they quickly realize that they need to do something about this and they decide to just burn it off because that's actually a very that happens all the time natural gas can't be stored easily like oil can where you can just put it in barrels if you don't immediately pipe it out and process it it just you know it just vents into the atmosphere it's just useless yeah so they just they just burn it and a million dollars one million u.s dollars worth of natural gas are burned off in north dakota alone every single day oh that's how often that stuff is just uh because you know if your if your pipeline is at like maximum it must be it would probably take an enormous amount of energy to like condense that to methane to like a liquid state i imagine you know so it's probably not even useful to do that you just have to burn it Jeez. So, free co2 for the atmosphere thanks <laughs> thanks turkmenistan and, yeah well that's the thing is they only expected it to burn for a few weeks they didn't know um exactly how long you know they didn't know how much gas they still don't know how much gas is in this oh my god pocket just so, gonna deflate know, they, the planet yeah, <laughs> they thought <laughs> it was all gonna, just going to cave in the whole country. They thought it was going to burn for a few weeks, and it's still going 49 years later. So. <laughs> wow. A couple of recent events, actually, uh, related to it. November of 2013, an explorer named George Karunas became the first person to enter the crater and reach the bottom. He did, uh, he, you know, he... He's an explorer, but he was doing this was partially funded by National Geographic. And he had one of those, you know, those silver suits that you see volcanologists wearing when they're like right at the caldera or whatever. He wore one of those and they just kind of craned him in. He was (laughs) he was checking to uh, see if there was any like any form of life down there at all. They did find some bacteria does exist. In a basically oxygenless, very hot, you know, spot, and he had some things to say about it. Uh, That's just unfathomable. Also, yes. National Geographic needs to reel it way in. Like, come on, guys! It, you feed a guy to a snake, you drop a guy into the gate of hell. Like, <laughs> yeah. you 
there's there's plenty of other stuff you can focus yeah, on. They know no balance. They you know they see the writing on the wall of print journalism being dead. They're trying to <laughs> juice <laughs> juice the numbers a little bit. <laughs> uh. He said it was like something straight out of a science fiction film, because you go from sprawling flat sand desert, just all of a sudden there's this big gaping hole of fire, and there are some things that are not not captured on photo that you you don't really think about he said that you know when you see heat radiating off a surface and it's got that like mirage spooky effect in the air he said that's basically just a column coming straight up out of it there's just a huge you know you wouldn't be able to clearly see somebody on the other side of the pit basically awesome and it's so hot that you can't you can't look into it like without you you know turn away and if you're downwind from it, you can't even, he said you can't even look into the wind. It's too hot on the eyeballs. And I've actually got a, a quote from him here. I described it as a coliseum of fire. Just everywhere you look, it's thousands of these small fires. The sound was like that of a jet engine. This roaring, high-pressure, gas-burning sound. And there is no smoke. It burns very cleanly, so there's nothing to obscure your view. You can just see every little lick of flame... There were a few moments where I just literally had to stop, look around, and drink in the spectacle of where I was. I could see my teammates up on the crater rim, just these tiny specks lit by this fire. You feel very, very small and very, very vulnerable in a place like that. And this is where he is the guy who, in this same interview with National Geographic, he said that he doesn't believe that the 1971 number is correct. A few local geologists say that it could have collapsed as early as the 60s, and they believe that it wasn't actually lit until the 80s. Wow. But, I mean, could you imagine being down in there? There's nothing like that. I guess it'd be, you know, it's a volcano, basically. Yeah, it's that's the closest thing to a volcano get. without being a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, get that's this. insane. Unrelated. Next, next event. I'm just ch- chomping at the bit to tell you this. This is actually something Greg tipped me off on when I told him about this topic. In 2019, the president of Turkmenistan, I'm going to pronounce his name. I practiced this one, so I hope I get it. Oh, boy. Gurban Guli Berdi Mohamedov is his name. Gurban Guli. Gurban Guli is his first name. <laughs> old Gurban. Berdi I give you a 3 out of 10 on the first name and a 9 out of 10 on the last name. Good. Well, the last the last name is what I was worried about, so... Um, that was very stupid of me to adjust my input gain in the middle of talking. Oh, no. I noticed I was clipping out. Uh, so he had been missing, and this is the autocratic, you know, dictator. He had been missing, like not, not literally missing, but like he hadn't made any appearances, oh. no television for a couple of weeks. So people thought he had died. And the way he disproved those rumors was by going on the state television channel and doing donuts in a rally car around the crater. <laughs> Can you fucking believe that? What an extreme. That is like... Instead of like, hey, everyone, still here. Yeah. It's like, nah, screw that. Let's do something crazy. Well, yeah, you know, and it, it sounds cool, but the video I was watching where they talked about Turkmenistan being one of the worst places to live in the world, there is an entire John Oliver's Last Week Tonight episode about 
Gerben Gooley. Oh, no. Because he's just... They played a rap video he made to drama public support, and it is the top three worst songs I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. I'm not kidding. Is He's present I'll put, I'll put a little snippet in, in the episode. Yeah. Okay, you can put it in, like, right here, you mean? Here is a poem and flowers and trees. Here is a music and mountains and sea. Beautiful sights of rivers and sky. All other beauties in Turkmenistan. Wow. All right. Well, that sounded great. Well that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. What a bad guy. Yeah. The mic is back in the stand, which is actually a stupid idea. I'm going to take that out. But symbolically, the mic is in the stand because, like, that is that is unfortunately it for the crater. I was when I knew nothing about it in my in my mind, and I wish it was. For some reason, I thought this had been burning for a very long time. Mm. But I guess, to be fair, if it had been burning for like a very long time, there would probably be religious, you know, people would, they would, they would be in the Koran or something, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my question is, why do they call it the gate to hell? Just because of what it looks. it looks like? Yeah. Okay. Also, I, I didn't even think about, you know, like you said, those weird, uh, that weird like a like manipulation of the air, mm -hmm. those little like waves you get. Kind of stuff. Considering yeah. how big this thing is and how hot it is, yeah. can you imagine yeah. seeing a pillar of that just straight up over the ground? You're, yeah, two hundred some feet across. Uh. Yeah. Well, how I wonder how close you can get to it, you know, without being like, okay, I'm uncomfortably hot. Yeah. I need to back up. You know what? I bet it depends on the wind. But I guess no wind. Oh, true. You're talking no wind. There's some people yeah. pretty close. I'm, I'm saying you're feeling the heat fairly close. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, they're like not that close, it but it's like standing too close to a campfire, but your whole body and way worse. <laughs> <laughs> and it's ginormous. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought up religion. Mine, mine gets into some religion. If you want to use that as a transition. We, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Dan, go ahead. But, Actually, I'm sorry to <laughs> stomp on that. There was one more thing that I would like to say from this interview. He mentioned that just because of, you know, Turkmenistan, there's no, like, it's just there. You know, there's no, nobody's watching it, no mm. rails. You could, He said you could literally just drive up to it, get out of your car, and jump in if you wanted to. Oh, my God. Nobody would stop so you. So it's, it's kind of like the Strid in a sense? Yeah. With yeah, even less signage. Yeah, unbelievably. Yeah, and that's in a super developed country. Like, so yeah. can you imagine just taking a wrong turn and be like, "Oh no!" Like, like office style. Well, uh, Paul, great, great, great point, Paul. Because my question to you two: Which are you going toe to toe against, the Strid or this? If I have to push you into one of them, which one do you want me to push you into? Basically. Oh my I'd god, say the Strid. Definitely the strid, strid, but also like, <laughs> but like shit, what's being? <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good thing, but yeah. yeah. No, what's being burned to death versus violently thrashed around while you suffocate and smash into rocks? Like, yeah, part of me still thinks that, 
like obviously not true but somehow i'd survive from the strid <laughs> i i'm still like, staying the strid yeah like that i feel like there's a better chance to survive from the strid than the zero percent chance from start surviving from yeah the grader. you could at least get kicked out at the end of the strid but if you fall into that thing what's there a ladder <laughs> the warrior's death yeah 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 it's like a sarlacc pit but just flames I wonder, I wonder, like, how hot it is. It didn't even really say. I don't know. If that, I, I guess for whatever reason, they didn't bring a thermometer in with them. <laughs> but uh, I wonder how hot it is because is it hot enough? Yeah. It's also it freaky. Hot that eventually your bones would, would burn up? Or if somebody fell in there, would it just be like, well, there's, that, there's a skeleton in there that we can never retrieve? Mm. Uh, no, I feel like it would all burn up. Eventually, actually, right? Just sitting in fire for so long, or like, I mean, your body. If you get cremated, yeah. those those are like two and three thousand degree flames. Like, it's pretty hot. Is it is it unreasonable to say that those might be the exact same flames? Those might be like natural gas fueled cremation ovens. Uh, I was wrong. It's, it's I a, can believe that. It's about 2,000 degrees, not three. But no, that doesn't seem unreasonable. Considering when he was in there, he said it sounded like a jet engine. Yeah. Well, just, so like it's like... heat and pressure. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Gross. Yeesh. Mama. What was, the, what was the thing you kept saying on the... Oh, my grandpappy. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the reminder. You. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to take you guys and gals across the Caspian Sea from Paul, Turkmenistan. The <laughs> Paul's the gal. Paulina. Does he have water in his mouth? Or is what he up, choosing girl? not to talk? No, no. You're the girl. Go ahead, Dan. So we crossed the Caspian Sea dead west towards i mean dead yeah west <laughs> and you smack right into a country called <laughs> azerbaijan specifically you want to find yourself on this little itty bitty peninsula of land that sticks out into the caspian sea which is known as the ab absharan peninsula um, to give you some broader context, Azerbaijan is right near like the Caucasus Mountains. So also uh, very much some former stat uh, satellite states of the Soviet Union, or at least they wanted those to be for those warm water ports. And um, on this peninsula, those. yeah, you got to have those warm water ports, man. You got to have somewhere people can vacation. Uh, is the capital city and the largest city in Azerbaijan, which is called Baku, B-A-K-U. Heard of it? I uh, I used to, as as you both probably know, takes a little bit to get me up in the morning. <laughs> and one of the things I used to have to do to turn off my alarm was it would give me a capital city and I would have to match it to a country. <laughs> oh, and, no and that way. Was, that was one of the frequent ones, yeah. You had trivia. Basically, I did. I learned a lot about geography. <laughs> I was gonna say, no wonder why you're so good at trivia. 
<laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> all of my trivia knowledge is from trying to wake up in the morning. It's out of pure anger when yeah. you wake up in the morning. <laughs> I just was that before or after you had to scan the barcode on the empty Listerine bottle you kept for months? Oh, after, but I'm back on barcode scanning. It's my bottle of cologne. Nice. So, um, Baku is like I said, it's this big capital city, but we'll also be referring to the sort of surrounding metropolitan area as just Baku. And in multiple accounts, it has been called the land of fire. Okay. The first major, yeah, it's a good start, right? The first major description of the uh, the region and a major reason for its international reputation comes from a great friend of the pod, Marco Polo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brick by brick. Love that Marco guy. Polo. Yeah. He he contributes a lot. A real us. mensch. <laughs> he he um in, you know, his famous like journaling or publications or whatever, he described numerous mysterious flames that can be found all over the region at various places throughout not only Baku but the surrounding peninsula. So the specific two points that I'm going to talk about today are just two points of dozens, if not hundreds of points where out of the ground sprouts flames that seem to be burning eternally. So point number one, we have a spot called Yanar Dach. Got to get some phlegm in that G. I did some research on the phonetics. Hopefully we don't have any, you know, Georgian listeners Yanar. who get mad at me. Um, what are people from Azerbaijan called? Azerbaijani. Okay. So them too. Uh, but a loose translation is Fire Mountain. And to give you kind of a like brief description, I got a better one later, but he- here's what um, Atlas Obscura describes. It's a 10-meter long wall of fire uh, that never extinguishes. It's burning <laughs> continuously along the edge of uh, this hill uh, that I'll give you a better description of later. And which, of course, naturally is most spectacular at night. So if you're on our Instagram post right now, scroll over till you see that picture. Um, and, and it draws in a lot of tourists and locals. There's, in fact, a tea house that set up shop nearby. You can sip a cup of tea while you sit outside and watch these eternal flames roar. And uh, just a funny little tidbit that I found was just some local legend states that Back in the 1950s, a shepherd, this specific location, a shepherd sort of just flicked his cigarette and it just landed where this natural gas was coming out of the ground and lit. And then ever since then, it's been burning. Um, Again, keep in mind, this is just one location of like hundreds. So later on, I'm going to tell you about the temple of Baku which has been burning for hundreds of years. Uh, so that the legend could be true. It could be that, you know, recent that this particular location was lit, but the reason I'm talking about it is because it's the biggest. 
So here is the description as far as I could put together about what it looks like and how big it is. And you'll see that picture on Instagram. So imagine this sort of steep ridge of rock, like a bunch of layers of limestone that has sort of eroded away. You know, you, you see sort of like a hill and then sort of a drop off and you have all these layers of limestone. So just at the base of this, you have this wall of, of limestone uh, about 20 feet high and about two football fields long, okay? So it's quite a sight. And the thing is the sandstone or the limestone that makes up the ridge is very porous. So all throughout that steep 20-foot wall, you have these sort of long and flat slits in the rock where this gas is shooting out from these natural gas, you know, sort of wells. And since they're lit and constantly being fueled, what you have is these sort of long and flat slits shooting out flames, which are then going up right? And so that is creating this effect where it just looks like a straight like wall of flame that ends up being about nine or 10 feet tall. And the biggest section of it is about 50 feet wide. That's pretty Ooh. interesting. Like you don't see that in the pictures you showed us, right? Because there's really not much reference because it's just flames. But that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it's very difficult, surprisingly difficult to find pictures where it looks like this sort of solid wall. But I found that sort of description so many different places. I was like, I got to be missing something. Um, so, yeah, just, I mean, imagine this massive 50-foot-long, 10-foot-high wall of flame. So, like I said, this one spot in particular, this Yanar Bach uh, Fire Mountain location is part of this massive network of natural gas wells that are on fire. Well, several miles away in still in the Baku sort of metro area is something known as the Baku Ateshka. Um, it's a large stone temple which surrounds this sort of like square altar um, which for centuries has had this sort of eternal flame smack dab in the middle. So at some point people built this temple uh, structure around one of these pores, one of these eternal flames, and it became a very popular destination for both Hindu people and Zoro people following the Zoroastrian faith. Do you, right. what do you, do you yeah. know much <clears throat> about that? I only know some basic stuff. Where are you at? Is it based off the movie? Yeah. <laughs> Zoro. What do you? What do you? Zoro. Legend of Zoro. Okay. That's that's my best guess. Okay, right, Kane. Yeah, yeah. We could go oh, with really? that. Oh, wow. Kane, what do you know about him? Nothing. I was hoping you would tell me. Oh, yeah. I got a little bit. I know yeah. I know of Zoroaster, but... Oh, okay. So, b basically, um, well, just some other basic stuff. All throughout the temple are, like, 
engraved, you know, just sort of inscriptions Z's. in rocks. <laughs> Z's. The letter Z engraved a bunch from a sword. Yeah. Uh, and and throughout um, is is the Persian word atesh or atush, and which is the Persian word for fire. Thus, the Baku Atushka. Uh, which is oh, like the yes. fire temple, basically. Um, Zoroastrianism. Oh, God, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to describe. Sorry. Bless you. <laughs> is, it, is it a religion or is it more kind of like a Confucianism type thing? Oh, it's definitely a religion. I don't okay. know. I don't think there are deities, though. It's sort of like a animism type sure. religion. Okay which that might also get me in trouble for comparing the two. But basically at the center of the religion are like these four holy elements, um, fire, air, water, and earth. And so naturally you have this place where fire is just erupting out of the ground continuously for years and years, decades and decades, and even centuries. So people built a temple around it, right? Um, And it sort of became like a... I don't want to say Hajj, but like a pilgrimage destination for people all the like as far away as like Hindus in uh, Northwest India to trek all the way across Central Asia to the Caucasus Mountains to see this sort of temple of fire. Um, now, yes, go I ahead. I do have one question. Okay. You said fire water wind and earth oh yeah <laughs> is this the place where they filmed avatar the last airbender hopefully not <laughs> i'm sorry did you say Do you think they based it off this they certainly did did you say how, oh, okay. how old the uh temple is no but that is a perfect transition into what's next <laughs> is it you telling me how old the temple is yeah so <laughs> patience perfect. here came. cool cool so <laughs> So the temple, um, the temple, as far as we can guess, was built in the 17th century um, with sort of like pieces of it showing up throughout even the 18th century, just as they put together this large temple complex around this one source of flame. Um, but that's not even as old as it gets because I found several references to it throughout like like centuries earlier, right? Obviously, Marco Polo talked about the area in general, but specifically this fire temple was referenced in some sources from the 8th, 9th, and 10th century. So presumably, yeah. And, and like, it's tough because you kind of have to make some inferences. So, like, Armenian history... Um, points towards like references from the seventh century talking about place like the place with seven worshiped holes um which they think references like these different pores of like the fire um and another one from both the eighth and tenth century reference the so-called land of fire but also fire worshipers and fire gods i like that yeah, that's the like juicy stuff, worshipers. man. Yeah. I like Fire Lord better. Fire well, Lord. 
let's let us not forget if we're gonna talk Avatar: The Last Airbender, uh, where firebending originated, which is from those fire worshippers who I'm assuming were based off of like the Aztec culture. Do you remember those people? Yeah, with the dragons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Aang and Zuko had to go and yep learn from do them. the the dragon dance thing. You betcha. Yeah. Kane, how are you feeling? <clears throat> I would like to be clear that um, nothing said on this podcast is, you know, the opinion. The opinions stated on this podcast are the opinions of those who spoke them. So I would uh, like to <laughs> publicly distance myself from the comments made by my comrades Paul and Dan just moments ago. If you were equally uh, weirded out by the weeb shit that just came out of Dan's weeb. mouth. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> you just didn't watch the show. Just yeah, be honest. Just, You're outnumbered. I've watched anime yeah. <laughs> and enjoyed the hell out of it. All right. So, unfortunately, the Temple of Fire comes to a very, very sorry end. So, first of all, it ceases to be a place of worship um, in 1883 because petroleum companies or, you know, companies that deal in these sort of fossil fuels came in and absolutely stripped the hell out of the landscape and completely sapped, I don't know if it was this whole region of its natural gas reserves, but at least the source that was feeding into the temple. And so the flame went out in 1883. God. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll just <laughs> let that marinate. So, I do have one question. How long do they think that um, fire temple burned for? Well, it's tough because it just depends on how trustworthy you think these historic uh, sort of inferences <laughs> are. Because, so like the earliest thing... It's the 7th century? It's the 7th right? century, but it only refers to the place with seven worshipped holes. Hmm. But then in the 8th century, you, you get talk of the um, land of fire, the fire worshippers, and the fire gods. Specifically, yeah. like, r real close, real close to this temple location. So it I just depends. I didn't want to talk over you, but I really, uh, I really thought you were going to say when he asked how old it was. I thought you were going to say it depends on how much you trust Azerbaijanis. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I'm really just trying to disenfranchise a whole group of listeners. Yeah. Every podcast, if we can, you know, screw over an entire country, we'll whittle away at our fan base. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. It's not the end. Um, 1883 was not the end. I will let you guys determine whether or not the present day condition of the temple is good or bad. So people still continued to visit the temple, even though the flame went out. Um, there is a museum there as of 1975. And then I couldn't figure out when this started, but at some point between 1975 and today, 
they started pumping just artificial gas into a line into the bless you the temple <laughs> uh and so it's it's kind of a fake flame now oh, okay yeah well then that's gonna be a for me i didn't see that no there's gonna yeah, be sound a... there's gonna be a sound effect oh <laughs> that's gonna be uh it's definitely a no for me dog for me okay there you go all right you heard that one though right so so if you want to if you want a nice like solid image to be left in your mind of what this place once was um maybe paul you want to just make sure you put that black and white that sort of sketch that's, yeah that's a good one yeah because that even though it's just a sketch um dang it's a big spot you know well buckle up so i'm gonna take you boys down under Woo! to Australia, to what is known as the Burning Mountain. So this is Mount Wingen in New South Wales, Australia. And Wingen means fire to the Aborigines. And Kane, I have a didgeridoo request, if you may so oblige. <laughs> I would be distinctly honored. Let me put my mic in the stand. <laughs> I thought you were reaching down to pick it up. I was like, this this guy I'll had it handy all the time. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as he's grabbing that, the Aborigines, um, their explanation of the origin of the Burning Mountain. <laughs> he's just going. <laughs> Look at how far away from the mic he is. <laughs> that was beautiful, Kate. Uh, absolutely loved it. Oh, he had his headphones on, Ask too. He shall receive. That was a great interruption. Uh, not, a, not a day will he deny a didgeridoo solo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Aborigines, their explanation of the origin of the Burning Mountain was that one day a tribesman was lighting a fire on the mountainside when he was carried off deep into the earth by the evil one. Uh, their version of the devil. Unable to escape, he used his fire stick to set the mountain alight so that the smoke might warn others to keep away. Oh, man. So, there's our Gates to Hell yeah. uh, reference. This for is already the so mountain. intense. This is great. Yes. Um, obviously, just a folklore, you know? <laughs> no one's actually being locked in there. But what is going on at the Burning Mountain is that underneath, approximately 100 feet beneath the surface, there is a smoldering coal fire. Now, a um, little Centralia reference here. Smolders. What's that? Colby Smolders? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> How dare you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Centralia, Centralia. Your ass so, is grass. Similar to Centralia, <laughs> um, you know, coal fire burning underneath the surface. It is Colby spewing... smoldering. smoldering. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's I'm coming for flames. you. <laughs> it's spewing flames out of the surface of this mountain, this whole entire mountain. Um but underneath the mountain, about 100 feet beneath the surface, it's estimated that there is all this coal, this coal seam that's on fire, and it's been 
burning for approximately 6,000 years. No way. Oh, my God. Yes. 6,000? Yes. Geologists presume roughly around 6,000 years, give or take, whatever. Cool. So that's what Uh, I was asking about um, the one in Baku because I was like, oh, dang. This is pretty close to how long mine was burning. No, sir. Um, but they do say uh, it does hold the record for the longest burning fire in history. Yeah, I would imagine. I, no, I would never question that. <laughs> yes. Um, Dude, coal the came is, in is and was coal... like, peace, methane gas, <laughs> like, you chump yeah. stuff, man. It's because coal doesn't, like, burn out. You know, it's not like uh, wood or methane gas. It just doesn't burn out unless there's, you know, no oxygen or, you know, put out by water or something. God. So, uh, they believe it started, um, like I said, 6,000 years ago from a lightning strike that hit part of the seam that was at the surface. So, Dude. let's talk odds, boys. What do you think? I, I didn't do the calculations, but what do you think the odds were of, you know, hitting a single seam of coal? With a lightning strike and then setting it on fire. Well, I can't tell you the odds. That's in like exponential. That's in like scientific it, notation. Exactly, Han Solo <laughs> cannot, style. Yeah. Don't tell me the odds. Well, like also <laughs> your like first sort of religious reasoning or explanation for the fire was obviously sick, but then also your scientific explanation for the fire was also very sick. Right. Yeah, like, you can't get more natural than lightning fires. Yeah. You know, nothing else, just lightning strike, there's your spark. Ignite the flame. Um, There honestly isn't much to the burning mountain besides that, though, besides <laughs> being the longest yeah. <laughs> burning fire. So, I've kind of wasted all my fun facts up front, but uh, the final thing with it is that's uh, a... It's a natural reserve, um, so people can go visit, you know, kind of natural park style. There's actually, like, some all trails, like, trails that can go up and around the mountain. But if you look at the surface in some areas, um, the ground is discolored, and it's mainly kind of red, almost red dirt, kind of like most of Australia. But it's red because of combustion that is happening underground. Nice. So, yeah, just like pockets of, you know, pressure is making explosions and that's rising to the surface so that's fantastic yep pretty crazy i can't um, wait to see the sadly pictures. well and that's the that's the worst part is that there it's mainly underground ah yeah you know so you can see kind of like how centralia is mm. you know back in pennsylvania is you know obviously it's a little more extreme with the roads cracking and smoke coming out but it's really just the dirt that's just kind of steaming. So, but still enough to yep, start my some religion. <clears throat> yeah, I gotta be honest. The six thousand year figure, it's enough to hold up. Yeah, your uh, forty-five second segment on this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Kane. So I think it was worth yeah. the uh, oh, do though. Oh, definitely. Oh, that's right. Of course, we got the dig in. Anytime we can get the dig in. Yeah get some digging yeah <laughs> so moral of the story boys what are we looking at here oh when the fire starts to burn <laughs> no yeah. can't use that can't use that oh man 
Uh, um, if you mess with the fire, you're going to get the horns. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Always be burning. <laughs> um, the only way to find out if the stove is hot is to touch it. <laughs> the only way to find out if the pot, the fire pit is hot is to jump in it. If you're... Okay, Kane's got something. Oh, he's scheming. I can see it. Uh, we must all conspire to admire the fire. Uh, oh my god, dude. Did you just black out? <laughs> oh, gosh. We must going. all conspire to admire the fire. Ghosts and stuff by Dead Mouse featuring Rob Swire. There it is. With much desire. It. Perfect. Okay. Oh. Another one in the books. Nicely done, gentlemen. Right. Right. And it starts to spread. She gonna bring that attitude home. You don't wanna do nothing with your life. When a fire starts to burn, right? And it starts to spread, she gonna bring that attitude home. You don't wanna do nothing with your life. When a fire starts to burn, right? And it starts to spread, she gonna bring that attitude home. You don't wanna do nothing with your life. When a fire starts to burn, right? And it starts to spread, she gonna bring that attitude home. You don't wanna do nothing with your life. When a fire starts to When a fire starts to When a fire starts to burn, right? And it starts to spread, she gonna bring that attitude home.